Hello, and welcome to Wise Children's Detention with me, Emma Rice. It's been another big week in the Mallory Towers rehearsal room. We're doing really well, despite the heat and the dodgy lifts. Most of the show is now up on its feet, and by the end of next week, it will be ready to run. This means I can then start to add the other elements, costume, video and sound effects. This is when it all gets really juicy. Music and movement play a huge part in my work. Mallory Towers is no different, except for the fact that we're taking both to a new level. Traditionally, a piece of theatre can either be a play or a musical. Plays make you think of living rooms, weighty dramas and pauses. A musical makes you think of huge sets, chorus girls and boys and glittery staircases. My work, I suspect, falls somewhere between the two. I love the earthiness of drama, but I also love glitter and feathers. Mallory Towers isn't a musical in the traditional sense, but it does use music in the same way that a musical might. In Mallory Towers, we're using both found and specially composed music to drive the narrative forward, suggest the period, or reflect on a character's situation. To help explain more, I sat down with my composer and friend, Ian Ross, to talk about how all of this happens. Tell me a little bit about the musical shape of Mallory Towers, because it's quite unusual, isn't it? It is quite unusual. It's got... um... I guess before I got involved in the project, the very clever and wonderful man called Nigel Lilly did some extraordinary vocal arrangements of some old songs. Uh, Benny Goodman, Sing Sing, uh, Mr Sandman, uh, are the two really... He's done these sort of dense uh, four-part Andrew Sisters type arrangements, uh, which still uh, are a big part of the show. And for me, coming on top of that, I guess just... In order to do all those, we had to have some really strong singers, and so for me, uh, it was about choral stuff immediately. Um, That was like the springboard. Um, But I also wanted to, what's the word, juxtapose that, that sort of close um, jazz 30s sort of period feel with something that was more maybe classical, in its vibe so it would feel a bit more timeless so it could really open out into the sea and into the cliffs and um, into the dream land which it is that we've created and you've also brought an sort of amazing sense of scale with that i think by taking that um that idea of the choral singing which surprised me because i thought it would all be songs of the period mm. uh, sort of strangely i think i thought it would be almost like a jukebox mallory towers mm. that would be very nostalgic but we've managed to keep that and really opening it out into this feels very filmic to me yeah yeah well it's sort of folk film isn't it it's like epic folk film score and um I mean, that's what I love anyway, is, is like, epic. And having, having such a range of voices really helps to get a bit of that. But also we discovered between us that actually we were having quite a lot of fun writing songs between us. Um, I think it'd be fair to say that you've discovered a sort of folk poet <laughs> as, as well. Um, and, yeah, that's really... Be- those things have I'm come... I'm quite happy with that, can I say? I'm yeah. very happy to be a folk poet. But it's true, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think you've surprised yourself. I and have. And... And me too, and it's been a joy to sort of put some put some epic feeling over those words, you know. Um, and that has given it a depth that has surprised mm. 
really surprised me and really given it a motor as well. Like you say, if you can feel the, ho the horse's hooves, you can mm. feel the roll of the ocean. And that really gives you the sense of the emotions of these young people, who, yeah. of course, are about to hit puberty. So it's emotions are at their most tumultuous. Yeah. And we're sort of grasping that without really looking at it. It's yeah. amazing. And, and that's what I felt. Probably the, the sort of centre of it emotionally is, is that is that the stories, when you think about Enid Blyton's stories, they're, 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 that sort of, I was going to say childish simplicity, it's not that, but it's, it's, it's a simplicity. But when you think about being that age, I mean, that, it is all turmoil, isn't it? Every, yeah, every... it's the opposite of simplicity. It's uh, yeah. adults that think children are simple. Yeah. And in a lot of folk culture, that is when the child often feels like a monster as well, which is yeah. interesting with um, Gwendolyn Lacey, is that yeah. there is that sense that you, you don't recognise yourself, you mm. can't, you don't know what's happening to yourself. Yeah. And I think that we, you, with your folk voice, the folk operatic feeling that you've got, we're really exploring that. Yeah. We've just done a day's rehearsal um, uh, looking at the second half of the show, and we've both been in tears, haven't we? Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, this job is beautiful anyway, in itself. When you, if, you know, I feel a bit choked up now just thinking about the, the significance I can put into writing something, at, you know, at home, and especially if it's like writing music to the words of a friend, which is what we're doing now as well. And, you know, sort of desperate, not, not wanting to, to please, not necessarily wanting to succeed, but really wanting to, you know, to communicate, actually, and then when when you present those ideas and a group of young, extraordinary, talented people, you know, f not only feel it but also send it back in space with more. It's just, I mean, what a joy! <laughs> it's just a joy. It's like it's the sort of life source. You made I me think. laugh the other day because you said to me that because um, they're so bright, they keep wanting more, and that they're we're, we're like struggling to keep up with them. Yeah, totally. well, we keep calling them cats, don't we? Because well. they're like disappearing off, like just wanting more stimulation, and, mm. and you know, great as long as we can keep up. But play me some bits, play me some things, and talk me through how you um, thought of them or where they came from. Well, I'm thinking a little bit of the storm. Sweet rain turns. what's now become this sort of operatic section of it, but we revisited it and tried to get back to a really simple sort of folk vibe. And actually, it's, it's turned a bit more gospel, I think. Um, uh, yeah, just wanted to sort of bring it all in and get it, get it simple again, in order to then become complex, which it then does. but lots of sort of dark poetry. Um, and then we get to the sort of the storm. <laughs> <laughs> 
A sort of storm and a holding pattern. And attention. And attention. Suddenly, this sort of really safe story about lucky girls yeah. in a safe environment. You can really feel the tension suddenly and realise their vulnerability. Yeah. And I feel that that's the universality as well of vulnerability. You know, it almost doesn't matter what your background is, where you've come from. It's, um, life's really tough, and it's particularly tough when you're young and you're holding so many secrets. It's sort of equally tough for everybody, even even for a bunch of boarding school girls in Cornwall. So that universality is really poignant, actually, isn't it? Um, yeah, so we go through that a few times, and then I've written, because I went to see Carmen at the Opera House with my Colombian family the other day, I came back super inspired, and, and um, uh, Becca, who's playing Gwendolyn, is... Um, blessed with an extraordinary voice and has trained ridiculously hard over a year. So we've written a very high sort of, uh, would you call it an aria? I don't know. <laughs> it's worth saying, isn't it, that um, really unusually for us, in fact, it's been a very, very long time. We've only got one dedicated musician in this show yeah. who is primarily a keyboard player, and that was me feeling like that there is a show about seven girls mm. and really wanting to get to know those characters and their issues and not wanting to swamp them and also wanting to see the virtuosity of the performers that we've assembled. Mm. And that's we've been quite inspired by doing quite a lot of a cappella singing. Yeah. And the piano's amazing. But we've been lucky, haven't we, because we've got Becca with her opera voice and we've got Mirabelle with her harp. Yeah, you can, you can do the same scoring put it off the piano onto a harp and it just, it completely changes the mood. That takes us back into our sort of, well, the, the, the Midsummer Night's Dream sort of It's romantic. World. Yeah. And fantastical. So we were beginning to build this world of found songs from the period, which are sort of hitting all those memory buttons through our parents and our grandparents. And then we started bringing in the world of Irene, of this, um, this authentic voice that is timeless and contemporary and very much of our world. Mm. And that was all making loads of sense. And then there was this one song and we just couldn't get the rights for anything we wanted. A song about friendship. And I was very mindful that I didn't want it to be too sexual because these are sort of 12 year old girls. And there aren't many songs that aren't sexual yeah. or romantic. And the ones that I found we didn't get the rights for. And I said, what, how about you and I write one? So what was that like? Because I think most people will never believe that that song isn't an original 1930s, 40s song. Well, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute privilege. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Cole Porter's writing anyway, and particularly, um, and the Gershwin stuff, Irving Berlin stuff. Um, and yeah, it just seemed like a great opportunity. And if you can get away with it, I think it's always worth it. A punt, isn't it? 
Well, it made me think we should have composed the whole I thing know. ourselves, but yeah. maybe we are. <laughs> maybe Play us a bit of that. Go on, a bit of your... I think this is a bit Noel Coward as well. Yeah, yeah, it's over, it is over time, isn't it? And I think the Noel Coward bit is me really being into Cole Porter, but being me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we meet somewhere in between. Um, I mean, that's just a classic Noel Coward chord. If I was a girl who could shout out loud Things would be easy as pie If I was a girl who could hold a crown I'd join in and not stand by If I was a girl who could hold a room With a joke and a quip and a cheer Here's a sneaky snippet of that clifftop rescue Ian was talking about. That was the Mallory Towers Company with Ian Ross at the piano. What a talented team I have around me. They're quite extraordinary. Bring on next week. Head back to school this summer with Enid Blyton's Mallory Towers, live on stage at the Passenger Shed Bristol. Join Daryl, Mary Lou and friends for Midnight Feasts and Thrilling Adventures as they discover what the world has in store for them. The new show from director Emma Rice and the creators of Wise Children and Brief Encounter, Mallory Towers, is at the Passenger Shed right next to Bristol Temple Mead Station from the 19th of July. 
Book now at bristolovic.org.uk.